Welcome to the Officer Media Group Roll Call Podcast. Officer Roll Call is meant to inform and entertain. Now, let's get into this episode. Welcome to the Officer Roll Call Podcast. I'm Paul Peluso, the editor of Officer Magazine, and I'm joined by Officer Media Group Editorial Director Frank Borelli. How's it going today, Frank? Hey, Paul. How you doing today, buddy? Hey, not bad, not bad. Um, so today we're going to talk about remote and wilderness patrol, which is the focus of the September issue of Officer Magazine. And we covered a variety of topics surrounding um, remote and wilderness patrol, including the concerns of patrolling these areas, the challenges of acquiring cell signal in rural locations, operating drones in these areas, and transporting watercraft to remote areas, as well as gaining access to these areas by vehicle. So Frank, uh, this was a great special section to work on, and it may have been one of my favorites uh, to date that we've done. Uh, do, you, do you think that these type of areas, which make up a large part of this country, uh, are oftentimes forgotten? Oh, yeah, people don't think about them because, you know, they, they think about um, your, your usual uh, inner city or yep. suburban patrol. We don't think about uh, national parks or uh, other areas where they are truly remote and you mm -hmm. may be out of touch uh, and without backup for some time. So yeah, exactly. And we, we touched um, on a lot of that in the article patrolling open spaces. And we, um, I spoke to several chiefs and sheriffs um, from different departments, uh, rural agencies, and actually got a lot of help on this one from the Small and Rural Law Enforcement Executives Association. Uh, they, they helped us set up a few of these interviews with, uh, with the chiefs and sheriffs from uh, smaller departments. And mm -hmm. that organization really does a great job at you know, kind of organizing these um, departments and trying to get the word out that you know, they don't have the funding and they don't have access to grants like a lot of those larger departments like the NYPD and LAPD, which have, you know, um, specific uh, units that, that, you know, apply for these grants and they yep. have a lot more help than they do. So, you know, we, you know, talked about some of the funding issues, um, but also some of the issues just generally with patrol. And um, I spoke to Heath Scott, who is the police chief of the Hainesboro Police Department, uh, which is in the northern part of the Alaska Panhandle yep. and sits near the Glacier Bay National Park uh, and Preserve. And, you know, I, I haven't been, I know you were just in Alaska, Frank. Um, the, the views there just look amazing. Oh, it's beautiful. And the fact that once you're out of a city, the number of people around drops off drastically. Yeah. And yeah, that that is something we talked about. So there where they're located, um, they have peaks of close to 5000 feet and the town is located down at sea level. Right. And so we, we talked to Chief Scott. Um, I also spoke to two sheriffs, um, both in the Upper Peninsula, Michigan, uh, Algier County Sheriff Todd Brock and Keweenaw County uh, Sheriff Kurt Pinella. And th these three areas have one thing in common. They're all very rural, all have pretty low, you know, residential populations. But the influx of visitors in uh, the summer months, it almost triples or even quadruples their uh, population. And yeah. this, you know, poses real challenges when it comes to staffing and responding to calls. And you got to think all three of these departments I spoke to have um, patrol, their patrol units are less than a dozen deputies or officers. So 
you know, the, the patrol, these big, big swaths of land, when you have that influx of uh, visitor traffic, it, it really, you know, puts the tax on, uh, on their manpower. Well, it really does. And it doubles it up when you start thinking about if you get a call where you need backup yeah, and your backup is an hour drive away. I mean, I, I live an hour from DC and backup can be 20 minutes for a deputy mm-hmm. down here. Um, the, the, the load can certainly be substantial and people forget that these smaller agencies, the under a hundred agencies, they account for more than 55% of our law enforcement in this country. So this is a challenge that faces a lot of agencies. Yeah. And, like Algier County, for example, they're about 40 miles west um, is their county line and about 60 miles east. And so that's, you know, more than 100 miles that sometimes they have to travel and sometimes they have to wait for backup. Uh, so that can really affect, you know, response times, officer safety, um, all of those things. So it can really, you know, be a huge deal for those departments. I got to throw it out here, Paul. You know, you mentioned Alaska and I was just up there. I talked to yep. a state trooper and he mentioned how sometimes they get a 911 call and the response is, okay, we'll be there tomorrow yeah, because there's no helicopter available or there's no plane. And that's the only way to get where they're going in Alaska. Backup, when we, there's a big difference between rural and remote. Mm-hmm. I'm in a rural area. Some yeah. of these places we're talking about are truly remote. remote. Exactly. And um, so moving on, we uh, had an article about acquiring cell signal. And you, yeah. you wrote the story about the challenges of uh, acquiring cellular signals in rural and remote areas and uh, how companies such as Verizon Frontline, uh, Surecall, and Gotenna can help agencies make sure they don't uh, lose connectivity while out in the field. And yet all of those departments I spoke to had issues um some of them were able to you know get get additional towers out there uh you know cell booster um can you talk a little bit about what you covered in the article and uh, how agencies can combat um the issue of limited or non-existent cell signals so yeah i mean when you think about how modern law enforcement's done today we all need data connection whether it's cellular uh, voice or not we all need data Um, be able to transfer that on a regular basis. And a lot of these places, there's very, very minimal signal. So there are some companies out there uh, like SureCall, um, where if if you have even the smallest amount of signal, they can take that and boost that and provide you uh, a workable amount of connectivity. Uh, Verizon with their, and I can't remember what the acronym THOR stands for, but it's a deployable uh, unit that actually creates connectivity. It is, for lack of a better word, a mobile uh, tower system. Um, yeah, and Frank, and have, that's the that's the tactical humanitarian operations response vehicle. Is, there you uh, go. Uh, spelled out Thor, but go ahead. Um, and then you have companies like Gotenna, where if you're someplace that there is absolutely no signal to work with at all, uh, if you have a team of 12 guys and each one has a Gotenna system, they create their own mesh network. So at least yeah. they can operate together uh, track each other, coordinate efforts, and have communications, um, even though there's no cell signal in that area. It's its own uh, mesh network. And these are all potential solutions to areas where cell signal is a challenge. Yeah. So uh, the next area we spoke about was operating drones in remote areas. And uh, in this article, uh, we talk about how law enforcement agencies responding to calls in rural locations can use unmanned aerial systems to help cut down on the time and uh, increase the success rates uh, at calls. 
So I, I spoke to Deputy Mike Christie from the Spotsylvania County Sheriff's Office in Virginia. He helped stand up the agency's drone program about three years ago with the assistance of Skyfire Consulting. And uh, Spotsylvania County has a he pretty heavy, heavy population center, but they have a lot of rural areas as well. So um, within the county is Lake Anna, which is one of the largest freshwater inland reservoirs in the state. And it covers, um, covers about 13,000 acres and was created back in 1972 to support the North Anna power station. So it's a man-made lake and responses to the lake usually involved uh, calls for drowning victims, missing persons, and boat crashes. And Frank, you're, you're pretty familiar with the Spotsylvania County Sheriff's Office. You wrote a piece um, for a SWAT Spotlight uh, series last year featuring the agency, and you did speak about Lake Anna a little bit. Um, what was your experience with the, with the department and especially like the response to that body of water? Well, and I'm lucky enough to be able to go down there and talk to some of the guys from the SWAT team and Sergeant Harris is a great guy that, you know, Lake Anna presents a challenge as do all bodies of water where of I live. Chesapeake Bay is a big challenge. Um, and if you can get anything overhead looking mm -hmm. down, uh, it helps you with your efficiency of searches and whether that's rescue or recovery depends entirely on the efficiency of the search. So, uh, you know, Spotsylvania County Sheriff's Office with their dedicated drone program is able to, from the shoreline, without having to put a boat in the water, they're able to search a significant area uh, via the drone and, and have that feedback. And that's, uh, if nothing else, it, it gives you the ability to rule out areas you have to put a boat in the water, or it identifies the specific area where you need to get the boat in the water as fast as you can get it there. Um, it's part of a search and rescue effort, not a sole uh, operational unit for the search and rescue effort. but. Um, they stood their program up, uh, and a lot of agencies could take advantage of this, but they need to be aware of the requirements for a drone program, licensing, FAA restrictions, so on and so forth. It's, it's, a, it's not just buy a drone and do it. it there's there's uh, protocols to be followed. Yeah, when I spoke to uh, Michael Rogers, the vice president of public safety at Skyfire, who was also an FBI special agent for 22 years and helped manage and grow the Bureau's uh, UAS program, he, he spoke about that in length about how it used to be, you know, let's buy a drone and now what do we do? And right. now they're trying to go to, you know, this is specifically what you need to do. Let, let's buy the right one for your mission and know what the mission is before you even stand up the program. Um, so I think that's very important. And yeah, the Spotsylvania County Sheriff's Office did just recently, a couple months ago, respond um, it, it, didn't, it was a recovery mission, but in the lake, they had uh, an overturned boat and it was late at night and it could be very, very dark there. They had uh, feet on the ground um, on the shoreline and they also had the drone in the air and they were able to pretty quickly uh, find the boat and put divers in right in that area. And it really did help for the search that they weren't just you know, searching aimlessly um, the entire lake or a good portion of the lake. Um, so, yeah, they did say that that helped uh, immensely. Yep. It, and it, like I said, it, it helps direct where the effort needs to be rather of than course. spending time places it doesn't need to be spent. So the, um, the, the last two topics here, um, inflatable boats and, uh, and UTVs. So different types of vehicles and um, 
being able to access areas that wouldn't normally be accessible. Um, with our article, Boats on the Go, I spoke to uh, Matthew Valletta. He's the vice president of sales and marketing at Ribcraft. And so they specialize in, um, in ribbed um, uh it's rib rigid, it's rigid yeah, inflatable boats. A rigid inflatable boats. So yeah, rib boats, but they also do fully inflatable boats. And these boats can be even inflated by um, by a manual foot pump. It takes about twenty five minutes, but a lot of times you'll have a uh, compressor as well that can be used. These boats can be kept in um, in uh, trailers and transported, and it you know. It, it really does um, it really does help because a lot of these areas, um, especially when you're talking about national parks, um, it, it could be very shallow areas of water that yeah. you're dealing with to the point where you can lift these boats up and you know move them over rocks, move them over areas where maybe you know there is no water and then you go back to water when, when you're talking about uh, things like searches. So the, the this is, you know, can be a very good tool uh, for a lot of these departments. And then you can, and they may not even yeah. be aware that they need it until oh, they need course. it. Of course. And then, um, and then the other thing we did talk about is uh, UTVs. So talking about, you know, larger, like side-by-side vehicles, a lot of these are even enclosed. Um, and include heat and air conditioning, which can really come in handy in some of these locations. And we um, spoke to a representative from uh, Polaris, um, government and defense, and also spoke to um, Glynn County Sheriff's uh, search and rescue team. Uh, uh, Sergeant uh, John Owens uh, heads up that team and basically talked about how um, these UTVs can be used to access terrain uh, that, you know, pickups and SUVs can't usually um, access. And not only that, but they can even be outfitted with tracks um, to access snowy areas and in um, mountainous areas. So yeah, over by them, they have the um, uh, Medicino uh, National Forest and they've done be able to have been able to do rescues there now in areas where they you know just couldn't get into before so if you could talk a little bit about frank um how you think that vehicles such as these such as these utvs can really uh help agencies in some of these areas well you know we tend to forget we tend to forget how much of this country doesn't have paved roads yeah um there are large areas of our nation that are only accessible by foot horseback, motorcycle, ATV, UTV. And then when you get to places like Alaska, uh, you have um, you know, so much snow on the ground that unless you have a tracked vehicle, um, you're, you're not able to really go anywhere except by foot. And, and the reality is that no matter where law enforcement's called, we have to be able to deploy there and we have to be able to do it in some semblance of a reasonable time given conditions. So having vehicles like this uh, even even in areas that aren't as remote, um, if, if you have a beachfront or if you have a lake area, uh, if you have parks that are significant, uh, a space, you know, being able to put officers in UTVs is almost as good as putting them on a bicycle, uh, but your response time might be a little bit better. Exactly. Yeah. And, 
it's funny this uh this one department glenn county is in uh california but it's, it's in northern california and they actually do get a lot of snowfall and um and that's the thing a lot of these you know like you said a lot of these areas do um become forgotten you don't even think of them half the time but yeah they they have to contend um uh, with, with a lot of snow and he, um sergeant owens actually spoke about uh pretty recent this was back and this was so earlier last year um they had an incident where they had a couple people trapped up there uh in the mountain and i believe it was in march and they had to um they were luckily able to get someone that was able to get to an area where they did have cell signal because it's very tough to get cell signal up there. They were able to call in the search and rescue team finally, but not before they actually had other people come in and try to get them out first. So those people also got stuck. So there were about, I believe seven people that were rescued. And then on the way back down, when the search and rescue team was uh, exiting the area, they also rescued two other people. So it was total of nine people and one day long rescue. And yeah, he said that these vehicles really like they, they also have um, Jeeps that they use in these areas and the Jeeps can only go so far. Mm-hmm. And these areas were able to pick up where those, we, they had to leave off uh, those Jeeps. And yeah, so not only do these help, um, but also getting these to certain areas, they weigh about, you know, I believe it's half uh, the amount of weight as uh, like a Ford pickup, and oh, yeah, a lot less than that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You're, you're you, t- especially once it's equipped with emergency gear. You're not talking about a seven thousand pound truck now. Exactly. You're talking about a two thousand twenty five hundred pound fully equipped. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you can tow these on, on the back of of the pickups and even an SUV and um and bring them to the area that you need them to to be in. Um, so they they really do come in handy. Yep. So. Cool. Well, Frank, can you um can you talk about like you said you're in kind kind of now rural area, not remote, but rural. What what have you experienced over there that you know city officers wouldn't uh wouldn't have to go through? You know, I don't know that there's a city officer out there that doesn't have a park in their area. But as the example where I live, um, there's a state park not far away that's on the bayfront, so it's near Calvert Cliffs, Calvert Cliffs State Park, in fact. Yep. And there's probably two or three miles of trails back there that you absolutely can't drive a patrol vehicle to uh motorcycles can't get there unless it's a dirt bike Uh, atv utv or bicycles is the only way you're getting there so if agencies aren't embracing this concept they really need to re-examine where they're responding to and and again i'm only an hour out of dc so it's not like this is a super remote area yeah it's just that a lot of it's not developed and that's where that's where we're talking about making use of these vehicles Great. I think this was a good uh, discussion, Frank. And if anybody would like to contact us or let us know uh, what you think or ask us any questions, uh, please contact us at editors at officer.com. That's editors at officer.com. Is there anything you want to add, Frank, before we log off here? No, sir. I want to go enjoy some of these remote areas. (laughs) Sounds good. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of Officer Roll Call. Be sure to check back every two weeks for a new episode. Stay safe.